Good morning, 26 West Church. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are two weeks from Christmas. <laughs> and, and I haven't done any shopping because I'm a great dad. I'm a phenomenal husband, family. I love you clearly. Uh, we're two weeks out. I love this season. I, I got a question for us as we kick things off here, and it's a. Uh, what was the gift, maybe a childhood gift, that just brought you that lose your mind, burst with exuberance, like just lose it gift? What, what, what gift was it for you? Was it a childhood bike, maybe? Maybe it was you come down the stairs and there's a puppy, right, in, under the tree. And it, what's funny about that is parents, you get your kids a dog. And they, parents always say the same thing, like, you're going to have to help take care of this dog, they ain't doing anything, guys. Like, you got a dog. You got a dog. You got yourself a dog is what happened there. They're not doing anything. You're up at 2 a.m. like you got a newborn taking that sucker outside, uh, potty training it. So for me, when I think about it, I'm about 10 years old. And uh, we, we actually have the old home movies. And no, I'm not going to be playing that on the screen here. We got the old home movies. I, I, I'm in my 30s, but I'm not so old that an old movie camera looked like a Sunday night football TV camera, right? Some of you guys, you grew up and that sucker is like live from the Collins living room. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Like you're ready to go. Like Sunday night football is ready to go. Uh, and something, something I'm learning is that as, as with kids and gifts and things like that, and this was true of me, is that every year your kids are into different things. And just like immediately they move on from something. So like my, my almost five-year-old, he loves cars. He's been to cars, Pixar cars forever. And then like all of a sudden it's just like, boom, I don't, I don't like that anymore. And it's like, oh, don't you love cars? And it's like, I don't even know what a car is. Why would you ever think that I would ever like this? I'm into dinosaurs now and Spider-Man. Why would you ever think this? So for me, the gift that caused me crazy joy was I'm 10 years old and this is the year that like Pokemon cards were just going nuts because I'm really cool. So clearly, Pokemon cards. And uh, the thing about Pokemon cards is you get, the, you get the pack, and you know you're getting old when things like come back now. And I'm like, oh gosh, like it's happening. Like it's happening to me. Like things from my childhood now are coming back around. But the thing about Pokemon card pack is you get a pack, and it's like there's one good card, and just a bunch of fluff in there. And you're just ripping through these packs. So like, I, th- I just got like, a mountain of Pokemon cards. That's all I wanted, right? That's what I was into. And uh, flipping through these things, and, and all of a sudden, that one pack has that one card that you've been looking for. And the thing is, you would have thought, you would have thought the heavens opened. You would have thought the risen Jesus showed up in my living room. <laughs> the, the, the angels were singing, right? Because all of a sudden, I see this piece of cardboard with this fiery bird on it, and I let out this banshee scream of, Maltrez! I'd, I'd lose it. I absolutely lose it. Because again, I'm really cool. And uh, you would have thought I had a winning lottery ticket, right? And I, there was overwhelming joy. The kind of reaction every parent hopes their kids will have, right? Like, actually, my mom, she was telling me, she's like, I was worried. There was like, there's some serious idolatry in your heart, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> like, we have failed you as parents. And there was, there was clearly joy, overwhelming joy, at least for a minute. Because here's the thing. I don't keep that Pokemon card in my wallet. I don't have it in a picture frame above my desk. In fact, shortly thereafter, I traded it for some baseball cards. And that binder of baseball cards is sitting in a closet collecting dust in my old, like in the house I grew up in that my parents are still at. That's where that thing is living. And the question is, why is it that the things that once brought such joy so quickly lose their ability to give joy? Why is it that the things that once brought such joy so quickly lose their ability to give joy? 
So as I said, we're in week three of our Advent series, and Advent simply means coming. And we're looking at these traditional themes, and the one we're looking at today is joy, what the church has been covering for centuries, peace, hope, joy, and love. And so today we're talking about joy. And so before we really get into this, I want to pray, and so I invite you to pray with me. Let's invite the Spirit who plays a huge role in this Christmas season in the original story. Let's invite Him today to speak to us and to give us a joy that can never be taken from us. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we have a reason to gather here. We thank you that you give joy. We thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that you really came. We thank you that we actually have something to celebrate here. And Holy Spirit, we invite you now to, I I pray that you'd speak through me. I I don't want to just be a guy looking at some notes. We we want you to move in this place. That's why we're here. We came here because we believe that you are on the move, that you are alive, that you have something to say. Whether we can explicitly say that or it was implicit in our mind, we came here looking for you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully through this teaching, through the worship, and just would you prepare our hearts for what you want to say. Lord, I surrender to you. Uh, I'm just a man. And so, Lord, we just invite you to do what only you can do in this place. Speak powerfully. In your name we pray. Amen. So jumping in, big picture, we're talking about joy. How, how should we view joy? And I just want to give us a little bit of orientation before we jump in. Biblically speaking, the words joy and happiness, pleasure, gladness, merriment, and even actually blessing are all synonyms communicating the same reality. Uh, Randy Alcorn's book, he has like a 500-page book and then about a 100-page book, both on happiness. And these really help me see that happiness is not some worldly desire and joy some godly desire. But actually, biblically and historically, joy and happiness are just interchangeable words communicating the same reality. Joy is a gift. And it's something we all long for because we were made for it. We were made for joy. St. Augustine says, Every man, whatsoever his condition, desires to be happy. That's what St. Augustine said. See, part of being human is to desire joy. Part of being human is to desire joy and happiness. We long, every single one of us longs to get back to Eden, where everything was very good, where there was no sorrow, no pain, no loss, and joy abounded. We're all trying to get back to Eden. We are made for joy. So the desire for joy is not something to be suppressed. It's actually something that should be cultivated. But the question is, where can we really find joy? Where can we really find joy? Uh, we're all searching. We're all looking for joy. Again, it's part of being human, but I think we're all a little bit like Bono from U2. We've been searching, but we still haven't found what we're looking for. We're all searching for joy, but let's be honest together. Is our search delivering? Is it really delivering? Is it lasting? Is it working? And so what I want to do for the first part of this message is I really want to do a survey together. We're going to go on a a survey together. We're going to look at a bunch of different things that we're so prone to look to for joy. And we're just going to ask, is it working? So first, where we got to start, we're in this Christmas season, is this season, Christmas, it's amazing, right? Like, I love it. I hope you love it. Like, it's an amazing season. Joy abounds. The lights, the songs, the tradition, the food, the movies. We have a whole season like with movies, right? Like, I don't know about you. What, but there's only one movie I have to watch. Like, you know, Elf's okay. These things are going on. I'm sorry. I know some of you all love this stuff. The one movie I have to watch is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's the one I have to watch. It's because Cousin Eddie brings some serious. That, joy is, that, that, that movie's good. Then he shows up and that sucker just takes off. And I'm not going to quote it because I like having a job uh, here. So... <laughs> 
This, this Christmas season brings joy. I love driving around. I love seeing the lights. I love, I love, give me a cup of hot, hot cocoa. We'll sing Christmas carols around the tree, dancing with the kids. I love it. It's great. And yet in a month, all the decorations are going to be down. The songs will be gone and it's going to be over. The joy of the season doesn't last. And if you're doing this in March, I mean, I don't want to tell you. Like, I don't even want that to happen. Like, the joy of the season doesn't last. The season is centered in many ways around gift giving. Uh, my wife, we were uh, looking at someone on Instagram and she sent me this, this funny post. I was talking about like based on personality types, how to, how to show love and gift giving. And so it was great. So it said for somebody like Kelsey, the way to love her is you get her a gift that's like clearly customizable and personal to her very specific interests. Uh, if, if it can be handmade, that'd be great. It's something that's very unique and she's not going to see anybody else have it. Uh, it's got to be unique to her. Uh, if it can be something that also like supports local business, that would also be something that really communicates uh, uh, some real love and care. So you can please pray for me uh, because I can't find this at Target. Uh, <laughs> Pray for me. Whereas, whereas a personality type like me, what it said is simply like four words. Stick to the list. Stick to the list. I, I gave you the list for a reason. <laughs> stick to the list. Uh, th- it was funny. It said, if you want to love someone like Stephen, stick to the list. Uh, do you need, read the first point? If you're confused, I can send you the list again. And so I'm, I'm curious for you. How many of you are more like Kelsey? Give me that personalized like, gift that's like show love and care. Come on, who, who else? Kelsey's not alone. That's my wife. How many of you are like me? Stick to the list. If you're, if you're wise, you just took notes. We're all going to be opening gifts in two weeks. And my kids are going to be doing it. Your kids are going to be doing it. And, and we're all going to be opening presents. And my oldest, again, is about five years old. He's going to be enthralled with a gift for about 15 seconds until he realizes there's more gifts under that tree. And I need it, right? Like, it's, it's, it's going to be... A, your kid's doing the same thing. Like, it's not just me. And when that final present's open, let me just ask this. When I, all the gifts are out from under the tree, that final gift has been opened. Let me just ask you this. Is his little heart bursting with unending joy and gratitude? Is he saying, dearest father, I thank you for this bounty of gifts that you have lavished upon me. Your generosity is unmatched, father. Or is he just, or his little selfish, wicked heart, is he just wanting more? Why don't I have more? Right? We're, we're, our kids are all, we're all in this together. We are in this together. The gifts that once exploded with joy lose their joy-giving power so quickly. See, I'm not just going to pick on our kids, right? Our closets, our garages are full of things we're looking to replace that we once were so happy to receive. Even the big stuff, that house that you were overjoyed to move into, now you're annoyed with and you can't wait to remodel. That car that once had that new car smell, it was so nice. Now that sucker, I know what your car's like. That sucker smashed goldfish. You got smeared fruit snacks everywhere. You got, a, you got basically a, what is it, a Jackson Pollock painting in your back seat with just kids stuff smeared everywhere, right? I'm not alone. That joy of that new car ain't lasting. And it certainly ain't able to carry you through the storms of life. But it's not just stuff, right? Experiences. We look to experiences for joy. But the experience ends. The vacation doesn't last forever. Even if you're going to Europe, you still got a return flight home. As we all experiences don't bring the joy that truly lasts. And in a quest for joy, because again, we can't help it. We were made for joy, so we must look for it. 
Some turn to substances. And for a moment, that may seem to work, but it fades and leaves us wanting again and again. Something uh, Margaret and I, we, we help oversee some, some care in our church, and, and we, we've met with a number of folks here recently, and marriages, friendships, lives are being eroded by this. Friends, like this, this is in the room right now, just so you know. And I just want to say, friends, if you're struggling with this, that drink will not satisfy Don't believe it's lie. The joy you're looking for, the peace you're looking for, the relief you're looking for, it is not there. It will not be found there. We long for joy. And we can look to stuff. We can look to experiences. We can look to substances. We can look to this. But we also look to relationships. Again, if we're being honest, that initial thrill is intoxicating. Uh, The joy is palpable, right? And again, we got to be honest, it fades So the temptation is going to be to run from thrill to thrill, from experience to experience, from relationship to relationship. But again, it doesn't work. It doesn't last. It doesn't satisfy the joy that we hunger for in our soul. Speaking of relationships, the children that you prayed for and that you were overjoyed, that your heart was bursting with when they were born, you're pulling your hair out days later, right? Like, where's the joy that was just there literally moments before? And even in the most healthy family, family is not even the source of lasting joy. Even the most healthy of families, it still doesn't last. Kids grow up, they move out, siblings, they relocate, and eventually parents pass away. The table that was once so full, that you have so many memories of, has now chairs missing. And I say, this is my first Christmas without my grandfather being around. And I say, it hurts. But this moment... Everything that even we're talking about, it actually has the opportunity to be a teacher. Where will I look for joy? My grandfather can actually function as a teacher for me right now. Where will I look for joy? Again, this whole beginning of this message, the point is to audit together, audit with me. Have the things that we thought would bring joy truly been successful? Have they truly been successful? Were they enough? Have we answered honestly, deep down, the answer is No. Because what seasons and stuff and experience is what they can't deliver on. They can't do it because we need a joy that transcends our circumstances. We long for a joy that's fixed and that's stable and that can never be taken away from us. We need a joy that we receive versus a joy that we got to conjure up and manifest for ourselves. We need a joy that's real in the storm. We need a joy that we can tap into in the night. We need a joy that we can experience in the midst of the pain. A joy that we can access up on the mountain and in the valley. We need that kind of joy. A joy we long for, one that can endure the empty seats at Christmas. One that can endure the cancer diagnosis. One that is strong throughout the shame and the pain and the betrayal of our lives. I just want to ask, do you feel that? Do you feel it this morning? We long for this type of joy. We long for it. And what if I told you that this, this joy that we're looking for, is what the Christmas story comes to bring about? This joy that we're looking for is actually what the Christmas story comes to bring about. And so I want us to to jump back into this familiar story and become, if you will, re-enchanted with it a bit. Remember with me, God's people, they've been overrun 
They've been overthrown. They've been defeated. They've been displaced. They've been sitting under Roman occupation with the promise of old that one day a king would come, a Messiah would come, that God himself would come and bring a kingdom of joy and of life and of love, that he, that this Messiah, this God, that he would come and he would overthrow all of their enemies and they would live in peace. As Steve talked about last week, they'd live in shalom, the way things ought to be. And they waited. And days turned into years. And years turned into decades. And decades turned into generations. And generations turned into centuries. For 400 years they waited. From now till basically the signing of the Magna Carta, they waited. But on a starry night, everything changed. But on a starry night, everything changed. Look with me, Luke 2, verse 8. That night, that night when everything changed, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. These shepherds, they got that graveyard shift, right? And they were guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. In the darkness came glorious, powerful, radiant light. And they were terrified. See, an angel appeared, and this isn't some, you know, precious moments angel. This isn't some, you know, baby in a diaper playing a harp sitting on a cloud. No, this is a warrior of light that makes a band of blue-collar workers want to mess themselves, right? And the angel's got to tell them. What does he say? He, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, because I know you are. Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great what? Somebody say joy. Somebody say, great joy. That's right. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I just want you to imagine for a second those shepherds. They're hearing the angels say, the one that you have been waiting for. At last, men, today is the day. You've been waiting. Today's the day. He's been born in Bethlehem, the city of David, that promised king of old men. From David's line, the one whose kingdom would never end, who would bring justice and life and love and salvation, he is finally here. Go and see him. And the angel says, and you'll recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And I just want you to picture it for a second. We can become so familiar with a story that it loses its power. Picture it. An army of the heavenly hosts filling the sky, bursting with praise, declaring the good news of great joy. Glory to God in the highest heaven. For he has come, Emmanuel God with us. I, I don't want you to miss this. I need, I need you to look at me. The joy that you and I ache for, the joy that we ache for in our bones is not found in a gift. It's not found in a season. It is not found in an experience. It is found in a person. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. See, the joy that you and I, that we were made for, can only be found in the one who made us. See, Christmas, it isn't some cute story of a miraculous birth. It isn't some cute story of a baby. 
It's the story that brings about the ultimate hope, the ultimate peace, the ultimate joy, the ultimate love that we long for. It's good news for the whole world. It's the true story of the world that meets our deepest longings. That's good news. And so are, are you with me? Are you with me? This is what this story is about. Let us not lose it. Let us not lose the magnitude of what is being communicated in this story. See, the, the, the angels declare this good news, this news of great joy. But we also need to hear Jesus' words about what he says about joy. So we're going to do a survey of some scriptures here together as we explore this theme of joy. So let's look at John 15, verse 11. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have it. Jesus says, let's hear his words. I have told you this, and he's talking about remaining in God's love and, and this idea of loving one another. That's our subject for next week. Ryan's gonna do a great job. So he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Further in that same uh, line of thought, Jesus says in John 16, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus is about to go to the cross and he says, now is your time of grief. I will see you again, saying I will come again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And I want us to don't miss the magnitude of these words. Jesus is saying that he has a joy that is complete that it's true, that it's final, and that joy that is enough. Jesus is saying that he has a joy that can never be taken away from you. I just want you to hear that. Like, let that soak into your bones. Nothing, no one can take away his joy. Jesus is saying he has a joy that can never be lost. He offers a joy that will never fail you, a joy that does not ignore the pain of life, but a joy that can overcome the pain like a laboring mother's pain, turns into gladness as she meets her child. Only Jesus can offer a joy that's more than a feeling, but as the old song says, a joy down in our heart to stay. See, Jesus, at the end of the day, he offers a joy unlike every other because he offers a joy that will last, a joy that will never end. I actually want us to read this verse together, Psalm 1611. It'll be up on the screen here. I just want in one voice, let's, let's, uh, let's read this aloud. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's, do we hear what this is saying? What is being offered is our greatest desire. And I want us to notice where is the location in God's presence, at his right hand. I just got a question for us, church. Let me ask you this, brothers and sisters. Who right now is seated at the right hand of God? Who right now is seated at the right hand of God? It is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is seated there. In your presence, O oh God, there's fullness of joy. In Jesus are pleasures forevermore. Church, do not settle for lesser joys. Look to Jesus. Let us hear what the scriptures are offering us. The scriptures are not offering us lesser joy. They're offering us the fulfillment, the paramount, the culmination of all joy. God is not after your killjoy. He wants you to experience fullness of joy. Have we presented the gospel like this, right? Have we, have we heard it like this, that God is so for our joy? 
does this happen? Like, uh, it's one thing to say, but like, how, how can Jesus offer this? I'd say it's because the manger leads to a cross. It's not just that a baby was born. That baby grew up and he would die on a cross. And Jesus died so we could live. He experienced darkness so we could inherit light. And he became the man of sorrows so that we could experience joy in the full. Jesus exchanged himself for you and me and offers a joy that is given, not achieved. And that is actually good news. Because if this joy didn't start with us, then it doesn't depend on us. And it won't be conditional based on our experiences and circumstances. Jesus offers us a joy that's beyond us, but that we can deeply experience. See, it isn't just that Jesus became the man of sorrows, though, so we could have joy. He actually did it for his joy as well. I want to read a quote by Randy Alcorn. He says, Imagine how people might respond if we emphasized that Jesus' death on the cross was for the sake of never-ending happiness, ours and his. And this is an Alcorn's idea. He's just quoting Hebrews 12, which says, for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross, he, he scorned its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross to purchase eternal joy. And we can have hope. We can have hope in this church because the manger doesn't just lead to a cross, but it leads to an empty tomb as well. See, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin, conquering Satan, conquering evil, conquering death, defeating sorrow and accomplishing joy. And we can take part in this no matter what our circumstances are because our ultimate joy is not found in our circumstances, but it's found in our salvation. I gotta take a quick aside here. And it's, am, I, am I saying that joy in Jesus means that we won't have sorrow? No, I'm not saying that. Am I saying that you should just rejoice in every single situation in your life no matter what? Like, no, I'm not saying that. Steve did a phenomenal job last week fleshing this out. Go listen to what he was saying. But what I do mean, what I am saying is that in every situation I have joy for in every situation Jesus still reigns. Every single situation, I am still forgiven. And in every single situation, my salvation is still secure. Again, are you with me? 1 Peter 1, verse 6 through 9. Don't take my words for it. Let's hear what, let's hear what Peter says. He says it better than I can. He says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Do we catch what Peter is saying? Jesus alone gives eternal life. So he alone can give eternal joy. Peter's saying that our joy is rooted not in our circumstances, not in our trials, not in our life, just ordering itself just perfectly and joyfully. But our joy is rooted in what Christ has done. I have joy for I am saved and no circumstance can ever change that. You can have joy because joy is rooted in what Jesus has done and nothing that you are experiencing can ever change that. In short, we have joy because of Advent. Jesus came, he was born, he lived, he died, he rose again. And we are saved secure so we can rejoice no matter what is before of this. Uh, scripture says this, I am sure of this, 
that neither death nor life, that neither angels nor demons, that neither fears today nor for tomorrow, that nothing in all of creation, neither angels nor demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus so we can have joy. Amen? But that's not only why I have joy. I have joy because salvation is here. Amen and amen. But also because restoration is coming. We can have joy for Jesus has come, but also for Jesus is coming again. We can have joy because Jesus has come. The first advent has happened, but there's a second advent coming, church. There's a second coming, and we can have joy in this. And that's what that, can I can I encourage you for a minute, church? Can I encourage, that's why we're here, right? <laughs> can I encourage you? This life and all that it can throw at you. This is as bad as it will ever get, Christian. This life and all that it has to throw at you, as bad as it gets, this is as bad as it will ever get for you, Christian. Because one day Jesus is going to return. And the end of the story says that one day Jesus is coming. And one day he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. And one day there's going to be no more mourning or crying or pain. It says the former things will pass away. One day Jesus will eradicate every last residue and spot of sin from this world. One day heaven and earth will unite and be one. And Jesus says that he will make all things new. And I want to tell you, it's coming. And you're one day closer to it this morning than you were yesterday. It's coming. One day our song will be sight and we're going to declare joy to the world for the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. We're going to say, let, let heaven, let nature, let all of creation rejoice because the Savior reigns joy to the world. Rocks, hills, trees cry out, repeat the sounding joy. For he rules the world with truth and with grace and the wonders of his love. They are unsearchable. They're incomprehensible. They're glorious and great. But there is another verse, church, to that old Christmas hymn. And it says, no more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Jesus comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. As far as sin has infected, Jesus' power and love and grace goes further still. Jesus reaches us with a joy that heals every pocket of pain in our lives and in our world. So we can say, rejoice. We can say, what great joy. And church, I rejoice because I know that I am saved. I know that I'm in Jesus. But I also rejoice, church, because I got a joy that can't be taken from me because one day Jesus is coming. One day Jesus is coming and cancer is going to be going. One day Jesus is coming and death and disease are going to be going. I got a joy because one day Randall Children's Hospital, where I spent too many days, will be no more. And one day Jesus will say, let the children come to me and there will be no more death or disease that will hinder them any longer. One day every weapon will be beaten into a plowshare and one day violence and division and war will be no more and peace and shalom and unity will reign. One day injustice will end and justice will flow like a mighty stream. And I want to encourage you that it's coming that it's coming, church. And knowing this brings hope. 
And knowing this brings peace. And knowing this brings joy, brothers and sisters. And I'm here to remind you to lift your drooping heads. My baby has a brain disease. You've heard the story. You heard it a couple weeks ago from my wife, Kelsey. You got your trials too. But our Savior reigns and he is coming. Brothers and sisters, we can face today because tomorrow is secure. We can live in joy today because our past is dealt with and our future is certain. Amen? I want you to look at me at one more verse as we talk about this. Just before we talk practicals and applicants, what I want ringing in your ears is the truth of Scripture, not just some, some line I said. I want this good news of the eternal word of God to be what's ringing in our ears. Psalm 30, verses 5, 11, and 12 says this. It's a familiar passage, but would we receive it this morning? Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. My Lord and my God, I will praise you forever. That old familiar refrain, there may be weeping in the night and that night may be long. That night may be long, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. He turns our crying into dancing. He takes our robes of ashes and clothes us with gladness. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Again, I think part of my role here is to encourage us and remind us of what is true, the good news that is ours. And the good news is that one day morning will come. Morning will come. It may be dark right now for you, but morning will come. There may be cancer and disease in the night, but healing comes in the morning. There may be chaos in the night, but, but peace comes in the morning. There may be addiction in the night, but freedom comes in the morning. There may be despair in the night, but joy comes in the morning. There may be loss in the night, but abundance comes in the morning, church. There may be death in the night, but resurrection comes in the morning. And as sure as the sun rises, we are going to rise too, brothers and sisters. That's good news. I want to tell you, even if the night is the rest of our days, I can't promise this trial that you're walking through won't last a lifetime. Even if the trial is the rest of our days. My boy's brain disease may last a lifetime. I have no promise that it won't. And I pray every day. I got tears flowing through my journal, praying, Lord, have mercy. No. But no matter what, for you and for me, joy comes in the morning. Because one day we're going to see Jesus face to face. Morning is coming. And again, you're one day closer to it today than you were yesterday. The morning is coming and the sun will rise. That's good news. That is good news. I know that's a lot. That's why, are you with me? Are you with me? We come here to remember what's true. 
because you've got a lot of other stories being told to you. You've got a lot of other stories. When you leave this room and go into your car and go, you're going to have another story that's going to be proclaimed to you. And I come here with an enthusiasm and a passion to remind us of what is true, to remember the true story of the world, the good news. But I'm not just going to stop with, with proclaiming this, uh, the big story, the true story over the whole world. We're also going to talk for just a few minutes here. What do we actually do with this? Again, what, what do we, practically, how do we live out this joy? Like, how do we fight for it? What, what also impedes us from experiencing it? And so we're going to make a turn together. I just invite you to take a, I know that was a lot. <laughs> just take a deep breath with me. If you need to physically do it, do it right now. In, inhale and exhale. We're going to make a turn together. We're going to make a turn. You ready? Steve said this last week. He says, Jesus gives us the gift of peace and joy, love. He gives this gift, but we have to actually unwrap it. So to start, just, just what hinders us from unwrapping the gift of joy? You know, picture, if, you're, if you've got a present, so there's some things that can actually hinder us from unwrapping the present, right? In two weeks, you're going to be opening presents, and I guarantee you something's going to happen to all of us. Somebody's going to unnecessarily tape the box shut, the white box that you get clothes in. Some of you all tape that shut. Stop it. That, that's not going anywhere. The, 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 the flannel ain't growing legs and leaving. You don't got to tape it in there. Like it's King Tut's tomb or something. Like, now I also know what's going to happen. Some of you are going to cinch that sucker so tight that you can't even slide the ribbon off. And so you're going to need to get Uncle Ron's pocket knife that he's been waiting all year for. You know, I just happen to have this knife on me. I've been waiting all year for this moment because this is actually the one time it's, what accent is that? I don't know. Uncle Ron's. Uncle Ron, you got an Uncle Ron too. My Uncle Ron's a fishing game warden, so this works. What's keeping you from, from opening the gift of joy? What's funny is you, you got somebody in mind too. What's keeping you from opening joy? There, there's many things. We could do 27 of these. I got three things that keep us from, things that keep us from opening joy. Number one, they're just going to be on the screen here. Number one, the first thing, the impediment to joy. The first thing is worry. 16th century French philosopher Michael Montaigne says this. You know, you're going to get a Michael Montaigne quote, but here we go. My life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. <laughs> My life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. Worry blinds us from seeing God, from seeing his goodness and experiencing real joy. And I'm not talking about ignoring the hard things. I think that goes without saying, right? I'm not saying ignore the challenging and real things. I'm talking about carrying a posture of worry throughout your life. Or as Steve talked about last week, being imprisoned by the potential worries of life. So one, worry is going to keep us from opening the gift of joy. Number two, entitlement. It's hard to experience joy if you feel that you deserve better than what you have or what you're experiencing. Here's the deal. Entitlement, it essentially tells God what he's provided isn't good enough. Entitlement, at the end of the day, it'll rob the joy that God wants you to experience in him, in his gifts, and in his world. So worry, entitlement, and number three, comparison. See, the cousin of entitlement is comparison. And the old saying's true, right? Comparison is the what of joy, the thief of joy. It's nearly impossible to carry a posture of joy when comparing your life to those around you. <laughs> When you're comparing your life to their work, when you're comparing your work to their work, their spouse, their home, their vacations, their social media, just their life, pretty hard to have a posture of joy. Pretty hard to open that gift. And I would say, if you want to not unwrap the gift of joy, if you just want it to be wrapped under the tree and just like know about it in theory, but not taste it and see it, 
Be full of worry and entitlement and comparison. (laughs) Just compare yourself to others nonstop. And I want to tell you, miserable, anxious, proud, and full of sorrow is where that road leads. So those impede us from experiencing, but what are some of the postures that position us to experience joy? Go to that next slide. What What are some things that cultivate joy no matter what is going on around us? So the first one is gratitude. See, experiencing joy is linked to gratitude for all that God has given us. When we view all that we have as care and provision from God, we enjoy so much from God. If we view our whole life as provision of God, then we're free to enjoy much from God. When we realize God owes us nothing, just let that, like, God owes me nothing. God owes you nothing. God owes us nothing. When we realize that, we're free to enjoy everything. The taste of a sweet drink, the smell of pine, the warm sunshine on a cold day. It's coming later this week. (laughs) A child's laughter, the sound of an inspiring song or the presence of good friends. You heard about all these things from the Johnsons earlier. Gratitude for all of life leads to joy in all of life. Number two, celebration. God is good. God is so good, he commands his people to celebrate. I want to worship a God like that, <laughs> that commands celebration. And here's the thing, like he had all these feasts and celebrations and, and holy days, these days dedicated to, celebrate, to celebrating. And I can tell you, I guarantee you, there were times that the people of God didn't feel like celebrating. <laughs> we celebrate not because we feel like celebrating, but as a prophetic shout that declares we have a reason to celebrate no matter what our circumstances one of my favorite traditions is whether it's a big family meal or a, a gathering, I, I always read this. Uh, it's like a, there's this book of readings called Every Moment Holy, and there's a mix of prayers and readings, and I love to read this, and I'd love to, I'd love to read it for you guys, and maybe you'll read it over your Christmas dinner. Every Moment Holy, it says this. To gather joyfully is indeed a serious affair, for feasting and all enjoyments gratefully taken are, at their heart, acts of war. In celebrating this feast, we declare that evil and death, suffering and loss, sorrow and tears will not have the last word. But the joy of fellowship and the celebration of food and drink and conversation and laughter are true evidences of things eternal and the joy that is to come that will be unending. If you were at Thanksgiving uh, with us, you you heard that read. And I guarantee you we're going to read it on Christmas because I need to remember it in the 30 days in between. Celebrate to remember, which leads to our last one, number three, remember. If you want to unwrap the gift of joy, remember the gospel. Remember what God has done. Remember the good news of great joy. Remember that Jesus saves. Remember that Jesus is going to return. Remember that there is real forgiveness, real freedom, and real life in Jesus. Remember it. Rejoice in it. So in closing, church, I know for all of us, there is so much happening that is just not the way it ought to be. In my life, in your life, in our life, there's so much that isn't the way it ought to be. Things don't feel joyful. Things we want to change, that we legitimately want to change, and that's real. But what I'm here to tell us is that even if we don't feel happy, we can still really have joy because we know what has happened. We know what is happening, and we know what will happen. We can have joy because of Advent. We can have joy 
because of Advent. Jesus came, and he is coming again. See, that baby, that Christ child, he would eventually die on a cross, and he rose again, and he bought our salvation. He won the war, and he's now, right now, seated at the right hand of God. He is ruling and reigning today, and he's coming again. The sun will rise, friends, and you are one day closer today. And even with tears in our eyes, we can rejoice. And this is the story that Christmas invites us into, a story of good news, of great joy. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you bring good news of indeed great joy. You saved us. You make us new. You redeem us. You justify us. You declare over us that we are a new creation. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love we have in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that can separate us from you. We praise you for this. We have joy because of this. We also have joy for a day is coming where every tear is going to be wiped away. And we long for that day, Jesus. We thank you that you don't just shrug at all the evil and broken and painful things of the world. You died to put those things to death. And one day you will put those things to death in full. One day you will make all things new. We long for that day. And until that day, Holy Spirit, we invite you to help us remember these things. Would you plant a joy deep in our soul that nothing can separate us from, that nothing can impede us from, and that no circumstance can rob us from. We thank you that that's ours in Christ Jesus. Help us experience a taste of that this morning. And one day, Lord, we'll experience it in the full. We love you. We thank you. We owe it all to you. We just receive it, and now, Lord, we respond to it. In your name, amen.